This is Paul Nobles from Eat to Perform, and I am sitting here with all of our lifetime clients. If you aren't familiar with Eat to Perform, one of the big aspects of what we do and how we do it is, you know, we want to actually put the idea of what we do and how we do it for life for the client. And so we do sell a lifetime membership. And so we, every month, we do these calls where the topics tend to be a little bit more advanced, right? And we get into some of the details. We actually had a, had a podcast the other day with totally new clients, uh, or actually people that weren't even clients yet. And uh, you can best believe that the conversation was much more basic. Right, because what we were doing was just trying to explain to people at all that food can be an ally. Everybody on this call has likely been through performance cycles, understands the value in cycling, and and yeah, there you go. So uh, we still have people coming in, and and we'll jump into the topic here in just a second. But um, per usual. I want to make sure that everyone gets in any questions that they might have and any new lifetime people, welcome. Um, once again, the my trusty cohorts, uh, Becky, uh, I'm sure most of you know, but Becky is the director of coaching here at Eat and Form. Uh, whenever, you know, if any of you are ever looking to join the coaching ranks, Becky will be the person that you talk to in that regard. Uh, Carolyn Mele is, you know, I'm sure many of you have seen her around, her posts in the group and stuff like this. She's one of the lead coaches. She's also one of the active members of the adjustment team. So she's probably been in your file in one way, shape or, or another. So, um, okay. So I wanted to walk every through everyone through kind of some basic ideas. Now, once again, please get your questions because the um, we really want to keep these two right at about an hour. And uh, a lot of times once the questions start to happen, then all of a sudden they start to pile up and then we don't really know how to gauge, you know, how long we should go into the topic. Okay. So we are right past the new year. I would say just on percentage, at least 50% of the people on this call are probably in fat loss too. Um, someone was asking for it to be transcribed. And so I didn't even know that that was really an option. So I just added it and we'll see how that goes. But um, right now, you, 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 if you're in fat loss and started fat loss after the holidays, what has happened is you went through the first six weeks, you are currently in AP or just about to start fat loss too. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about the expectations about fat loss too, but also just walk through the various scenarios, especially as we go into how to set up when your next fat loss cycle will be, 
what to look for as it relates to spring and summer. Um, what do your workout should look look like as you go into fat loss too, but also as you go into performance slash recomp. I also want to get into some performance slash recomp. So that's a that's probably a good place to start. So as most of you know, performance slash recomp is where you're eating food normally most of the time. And you're going to the gym and you're doing great things in the gym. And one of the things that I think is kind of exciting when people look at all the pictures of you that are on the main page or Instagram or whatever, is that those pictures, if you think about it, the good majority of them are after and after, right? Like if you're on this call, you've probably been with us more than four to six months. And no company has really ever done that, right? I mean, just this idea that you see people both losing weight, but also maintaining it for you know, years to come is, is, is really kind of special thing, right? But the, the other thing um, that uh, I think is important about that piece is just that the first time is always somewhat imperfect right? It's the, it's the, I noticed this with all of my various fat loss phases that, that look like eat to perform. Honestly, I've never done eat to perform the way that you, all of you do it, right? When I was doing what I thought was eat to perform was nowhere near as good as what all of you are doing. And so um, I've mentioned this before that, uh, you know, I wait five years. Um, I'm getting very close to 55 right here right now so i'm actually excited to do uh you know the version that that all of you are doing but performance i talked about this in a podcast with susan uh this week and we've got a ton of podcasts coming out so so hopefully that will keep all of you happy and and listening as you're walking and doing all the things that you do but um Performance is really more endurance-related activities, right? And so if you look at performance and you're a marathoner, you do ultras, you do triathlons, something of this nature, really trying to push your calories high because you know what we know is that most of the people that come to us like that are in fact under eating, usually by up to half. And so, so those tend to be, you know, I think most people would probably think this, but it ends up being true that those are the people that have our highest macros. Um, in terms of the recomp piece, recomp, we're trying to go slower. Now we're always going to try and get you to 2000 as quickly as possible, just because that is the best way to do it. And the problem that you run into if you don't do it this way, it's kind of interesting. Um, uh, an old lifer came to me and asked me if, if I could help her because she um, is a CrossFit Games athlete. And so, so I, I, did, uh, I did help her uh, and 
we have been going through things and it's interesting working with high level athletes and kind of just the difference in the way that they approach things. But I said to her, uh, you know, once we were done with um, fat loss one, we're going to do fat loss two actually after um, the CrossFit open and qualifier. But I was like, make sure that, you know, you got to allow food to come back. We can't, we can't um, just go off the rails here. And, and she didn't go off the rails, but, but she didn't follow my instruction. Um, and part of the reason, and I totally get it. And she explained it to me was just that uh, she wanted to make sure she was kind of had the best footing going into the open. But when we all look at it, and as you go through multiple phases of this, what you should start seeing is that it's really not the extra 250 macros or whatever, right? It's on the way up or down, right? Um, it, it's really more of the actions that are around that. You know, for instance, if someone were to lose weight and then gain it all back typically you know the people on this call they're gonna know why right they're not gonna be you know um oh you know i just can't succeed no they they know that like the the vacation and trip to vegas and weekends with the girls just started to get away from them and i think that honesty is something that once you understand how it works and how it works best, that honesty is actually free, right? That it's kind of all the, the little lies we tell ourselves along the way. But if you think about all the things that you know now through Eat to Perform that you didn't know previously, it's very enlightening, right? And, and I would argue that all of you know how it works and and that was really the goal from from day one but that's that's basically whenever you're seeing performance you have two paths right we have to feed you to keep the muscle or we have to build muscle in the case of recon but performance is really more for um just people with extreme activity right and making sure they're not losing muscle along the way Okay, so I wanted to walk through fat loss too. We already did did a little bit of this. Um, and once again, we, we've got questions coming in. Make sure they keep coming in via the chat so we can kind of walk through that. But um, as most of you know, fat loss two will not be as successful typically as fat loss one. Now that is not the case in the case of um, someone that's totally new. A lot of totally new people, um, whether we like it or not, whether they think they're serious or not, it does take them a while to get going, right? So their first, their first fat loss one, it might take some people up to two weeks to really even log, you know? And so for those people, the opportunity that they could have had in fat loss one, they don't technically get 
but then they might lose a little bit of weight in API uh, AP because because they um, they are you know still in kind of a deficit based on way the the way that they were eating before, um, and then they might have more success in fat loss too. That's not typically the case for for most of you. In fact, for most of you, and I, I you know, if you read any of my articles on online and I kind of walk people through like one of the things that that I wanted to walk people through was this idea of of kind of a diet to nowhere right and where you lose 52 pounds um, but at a low number one low number all year compared to the way that we do it in that example the person would lose 30 pounds and then 22 pounds, right? Because the biggest value that you can have with dieting in general is just being the most overfed as possible, right? And that's not really what you're doing. Like when you read something related to eat to perform and I talk about normal calories, one question that non-eat to performers asked was like, what is normal, you know? and you know, I, I try to point out to people that normal is above 2000 for women and it's above 2500 for men. And then we push from there. Right. And so let's say that you're an eating performer. You maybe came to us kind of overeating for a short time, but for the most part, you're a responsible eater. Um, those are not the scenarios where you lose the most weight, right? It's the, it's the, the, the most success that people have using eat to perform always comes after the holidays because that's when people eat the most freely. Well, the most success right now, um, the, the summers certainly can get away from people. You know, I would say like spring break, spring break or, or vacations, like winter vacations and stuff like that. I think some of those are like extensions of the holidays, but like, you know, one week away in Hawaii or 10 days in Hawaii, we don't see that being like this huge thing. But what I do, what I do think happens is that people don't realize they're consuming up to, you know, 3,000 calories, 3,500 calories, especially when you include alcohol. That's the dirty little secret that a lot of people don't talk about very much, right? Is that, you know, they, they're not tracking their alcohol consumption. They're probably not tracking their food. So when things get away from them, they kind of have maybe weekends that really get away and then they kind of move back to normal. They don't check the scale. And by the time they check the scale, they're up 20 to 25 pounds is very easy as a woman to eat 3,000 to 3,500 calories when you're not paying attention. And it's also very easy for men to eat 4,000 to 4,500, right? So kind of keep that in mind as we go, that as you do it more and more and more and more, you're going to have naturally less weight to lose, right? And so, so I want people to walk through that because if we're, if we're setting up these cycles, which is what I'll be getting into here in a second, the, the cycle, the, the way that you want to do it 
is setting up what is coming next, you know? And so I'm gonna walk through various scenarios that many of you might have, right? And then walk you through the thought process of, hey, when should I set up my next fat loss cycle, right? So the basic answer to this question is minimum six months, right? And I understand that many of you are, are gonna not listen to what I'm saying here and you're gonna you're gonna make it three months. Um, I don't think I finished that thought actually um, where I talked about the 52 weeks. So like in the case of the 52 weeks, because I'm bringing it up because, because of the six month scenario. In the 52 week scenario where you have one calorie number, it's not superior to say eat and form, right? The, I talked a little bit about the person loses 30 pounds and then loses 20 pounds. I'm, I'm talking about someone that's coming in very overfed. Um, you know, with a one calorie approach, you know, many people quit because they just don't have a real good plan in that regard and it really sucks you know, eating 1,100, 1,200 calories, you know, I'm pretty honest about the fact that, that, you know, our calorie levels will go low, maybe even as low as 1,200 calories. But when you look at how we're doing it compared to the way the other plans are doing it, you're talking about 1,200 calories for eight weeks, right? And you're still losing the same amount of weight. And more importantly, I think, is that it's not just weight related. Oh, more often than not, you're, if you use, well, there's no question. If you use one number and you're under eating or you're in a deficit most of the year, you're at a lot more risk of losing muscle in that process, right? So I would actually argue that, you know, if someone had never worked, worked out, then, um, you know, they could come in and put on, you know, five to 10 pounds of muscle relatively easily. And then of course they don't have to lose 52 pounds. But in the case of, of using one number, you can lose 52 pounds, but then it only ends up being, you know, 35 pounds of fat, right? Which is, as you all know, is a very different approach than we take. And so that's the kind of thing you know, I don't know the path that it took for all of you to to come to us, right? And I think a lot of it just ends up being frustration over time. But it always kind of surprises me that more people don't want to take that approach, right? Um, and because it's it's at least honest, right? Um, I mean, I wrote an article about shortcuts. Uh, I I'm, if you don't know, I'm in California. So, you know, I'm basically three hours behind. So I don't know what the response to that, that article was, but it was, it was kind of walking people through what a detox really is and what it does. And basically it does nothing. Right. And so, um, I think we all have our process. Eat and reform is not someone's, uh, first diet typically. Um, it's going to be the very last diet, right? They're going to try every extreme measure previous to it. And then, you know, that kind of is what it is. But man, you know, you do kind of wish that people could figure it out the right way. And I think, I think a lot of people do. 
um, have a general idea through the stuff that we write. But I think that you really don't get it until you know you get the experience that all of you have had. Okay, so six months is basically the the minimum recommendation. Can you get away with three months? Um, I would say in the case of if you were a 250 pound woman or if you're a 300 pound man, you probably can pull it off and we probably would recommend it, right? Where you're doing shorter cycles. Now I will say if you're a 300 pound man, it's very uncommon to lose 50 pounds in round one because we're going to probably extend it because you know, uh, not round one, not the first cycle, but the F, uh, fat loss one. You know, a lot of times those folks can and do well in that cycle. So fat loss one could be as long as 12 weeks, right? So we've seen people in, you know, three, four month cycle lose 50 pounds, right? It's not common, but if you're coming in overfed, have a lot of weight to lose, that can happen. So that would be the scenario. A lot of the times people go, well, um, the, I feel like I have a lot of fat to lose, right? And I'll look at their file and, and they're 175 pounds as a woman and they're 5'9". Well, I get the way that you're thinking about your situation but you have to understand that that that's not the person that loses that kind of weight, right? It, it, you you have to be severely overhead, uh, overfed, lots of bad habits, things of that nature. Um, so six months is typically the minimum. In terms of the, uh, and I do see that we're getting in a lot, a lot of questions, so I'm gonna kind of go through this pretty basically. Um, the best answer is sort of the answer that I have related to um, the way that I do it, right? Is that the longer you can do it, for me, it's five years. And you go, well, why five years? Because I wanted to be the example for Eat to Perform. I didn't want to be the person. I'm not trying to put out pictures of Paul eight packed up and deadlifting 600 pounds and, and things of this nature. I just, I've done this long enough to know that that is not my audience, right? My audience are the people that have been through these extreme situations, right? Like I had been for, for 10 years and just kind of got chewed up by the system, right? And so, so I kind of stick to that five-year minimum just to be the example, right? Does that mean that I don't get a little uncomfortable as weight rises? Because, you know, as you go longer, weight is more susceptible. Why? Because you've been to Vegas twice, right? Or, or you know, vacations got away from you a few times, right? So, so those are things that, that I do. I will do some cleanups here and there you know, many cuts, but I haven't really had to do, do that much. Um, my, my knee injury did kind of mess with me a little bit. So that was mentally a tough time, but you know, my wife took a picture of me on Ventura Pier this week and I was like, man, I'm doing good. You know, 
And in general, I hope, I think that's probably the big takeaway that most of you come away with is that the way that you look at yourself as you do eat to perform longer should be changing and should be positive and you should be allowing, you know, we had a, we had a lady that was 62 on, on one of the calls earlier this week and she was talking about like specific areas of fat and, and things of this nature. And I was like, man, at 62, you know, you got to start, you got to start realizing that some of the imperfections is, is, is what makes you who you are. Right. Um, I would say, you know, one of the coaches from the, the past, she used to do a, a cut once a year. And I would say for most of you, you know, if, if you just became, if you've run one fat loss cycle, that's probably where you're going to land. The most optimal is going to be once a year. Now, does that mean there, were, there was a client recently that um, was putting out all this information about how they were going to wait and how they were going to wait and, and this and that. And that. I told her, and I want all of you to know this, like, don't, don't use my goals as what your goals should be. And just so you know, I'm probably going to stick to my goals because I think it's important to do what you say. But I would change my goals if it started to negatively affect my health or, you know, mentally I started to struggle, right, for various reasons. And so, so I'm not a fan of painting yourself into a box where, you know, I'm going to do this for a year. And now all of a sudden, all these things happen, you know, like I mentioned, you know, the the weight related to my knee ended up being about 10 pounds. For me, 10 pounds is comfortable. For you, 10 pounds might not be comfortable. And so I don't, I'm not, even though we're talking about what is best and why, right? And we're sort of backing into what's best for most people. I'm not a fan of, of not listening to the, the noise in your head. Now, does that mean that if the noise in your head is still telling you that you need, you know, to do a fat loss cycle one month after the previous fat loss cycle, you know, um, that's what the, your coach is for. But they're they're going to guide you as far as you can go. But if every single journal thing is about, you know, I mean, we see a lot of stuff, right? And if every single journal post is, I feel so fat. You know, I mean, I don't let my clients say that, you know, and I would say the majority of coaches don't let their clients say that because it's about how you talk to yourself, you know, um, and and that can be a big part of the problem. But, you know, in general, I would say you want to be in that one year range or more and the longer you can go, the better, you know, if um you know, I'm still a year and a half away from 55. And if I can get away with it, you know, I'm going to go 10 years, you know, um, I do in my heart of heart, I always wanted to say to people that you can live your life in PR and, and you should be fine. And from a science perspective, you know, it, it, 
you can find the science that that supports that. I do think that we all need cleanups here and there. I think we all, you know, need to run a cycle. And I, I think it also kind of addresses the, the abs part, right? So you come to us, you've never had abs, you get your workouts right, you, you know, you start to see abs at your lowest uh, weight. I think it's reasonable to say that you're not necessarily going to have visible abs all the time when your calories move back to normal. Then you go, well, yeah, but what about Stephanie? What about Sarah? What about, that's the caveat, right? If effort's in place, you can, you know, but, but when food is normal, and when I mean normal, I mean 2,500 for active people, for women, um, probably 3,000 to 3,500 for men, then, you know, you're going to have to put in a lot of effort, you know, and I'll just being honest with you, I don't want to put out that effort. You know, I, what I like to do is pickleball, you know, and so I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting to my home gym. I'm really looking forward to squatting and deadlifting and doing more pull-ups and, and things of that nature. But no, I'm only gonna I'm only gonna do that twice a week because I like to play pickleball. I'm also a little careful of overuse issues. A lot of the endurance people kind of know what I'm talking about. Is that you know you can run and your joints feel it, um, tendons feel it, and then all of a sudden you squat the next day. You know you're kind of crossing your fingers, right? Because you haven't allowed your body to heal from that. So it's, it's going to be a bit of a challenge to, to, to figure that out. I will say that I think I'm starting to figure out that three to four days of pickleball might be better than six. You know, um, I mean, just I know it sounds kind of funny to hear. Well, I mean, first of all, the name is hilarious. Um, but like when you're thinking of it, it doesn't seem extreme. When you're playing for three hours, you know, pretty consistently, you know, it, it ends up being more extreme. Like as an example, um, my pickleball workouts are always way more, um, you know, I get much more strain from them than I ever would at a CrossFit workout, right? Now, obviously I have time and endurance on my side, which are both favored by Whoop, but yeah, so kind of keep that in mind. All right, so we do have a lot of questions. And so let's go ahead and, and, uh, get through some questions here and I can drink some coffee. Okay. Allison is asking, what's your take on PR for someone who's not competing or doing endurance activities? I'm struggling in PR because I'm not super into lifting. I do it two times a week. I do play a lot of pickleball and ski, surf, etc. but I'm not striving for a specific athletic goal. And I kind of feel like I'm floundering in PR. She has done two fat loss cycles, but neither was a huge, huge loss and have gained back most in PR, trying not to live by the scale, but it's tough. Yeah, I mean, what it sounds like is you're still in kind of that, I'm not saying this flippantly, but I want to be skinny mode, right? And when you're in that mode, PR is not designed, by the way, for 
active people. That's, you know, I understand what the question you're asking, but it, it's almost as if like, well, I'm, I'm not worthy of the magic of eat and perform because I don't do extreme exercise. I don't do extreme exercise. Um, but if I go to the beach right now, I'm pretty happy with the way that I look, right? And so, um, but PR is based on what your calories are supposed to be normally, right? And so um, I, I think mentally you're just probably struggling with what the reality of life is, right? Um, I, I would kind of want to know a little, it's a real difficult question to answer from the standpoint of, are you asking me permission, right? To be in fat loss all the time. And that answer is no, right? Because that's not what you bought, right? And it's also not workable. Does that mean that we can't, you know, keep your low numbers on the lower side? I would say that's probably true. Um, we don't do it very much. Um, it's very, very rare for us to lower macros without fat loss, right? Um, I mean, to give you an idea of, of how rare, um, I recently did it for one person, and that's the only one I can remember in five years, you know, um, and it was a very, very unique situation. So I don't believe in setting up someone to thrive as a human being, right? And by the way, all the activities that you said sound active, right? Um, it, it sounds like you know, you're much more than a sedentary person as an example. So, um, and I get it, right? Like the comfort of, of you know, so that's, you're bringing up actually an interesting point, right? I think everybody on this call knows that it's not the, the macros that causes people to gain weight, right? And if, if, if you do think that, hopefully in the next three minutes, I can steer you clear of that, right? It's all the little things between those times, right? And so what you're actually saying is something that I think we should probably talk about more is that since it's not the macros and you are feeling uncomfortable, why do you feel uncomfortable? Well, the answer is because calories when they are normal are giving you fewer options. And that's for a reason, right? So to give you an, to, to explain what I mean is that if you were eating 1200 calories and that was kind of your, your, you know, diet prison way of doing things. Um, and you went to vacation and your weight was up. You'd be like, okay, well, that's fine. I'm going to go back to eating 1200 calories. Well, when you come back home to eat to perform, right? Your calories are 2,200. And I think that's where some of the problem lies, right? Is that people, you know, 
they don't necessarily um, think that the macros are the issue until they have multiple times where they get out of line. You know, at that point, I do think there are some opportunities. You know, maybe if you're open to fasting, um, mini cut if needed. Right? Sounds like it. Just sounds like you're still in the process of figuring out where your true comfort level lies. And if you're going to say to me, like, it sounds like you're saying I'm more comfortable in fat loss than I am in PR that, you know, I will really challenge you on that and really challenge that you try to try to work with someone for that. Right. Because what you're basically saying is, is I don't think I'm worthy to eat a normal amount of food, right? And I think, I, I think part of it is that you're like, well, you know, when I was eating, and I'm, I'm, I'm giving an avatar of what you might think, right? So let's not say 1,200, let's say 1,500. Well, I never felt like this when I was eating 1,500 calories, right? It's like, well, yeah, no, you wouldn't, you wouldn't need to, right? Because you're not going to push it, you know? Susan and I talked about it on the podcast this week is that, you know, when people aren't pushing it, the expectations aren't high, right? Like, for instance, you know, all the activities you do, um, you know, if you're eating 1,500 calories, you're not going to necessarily push that. You're not necessarily going to go surfing or go to pickleball or go to all of the things that you do that when you're at 2200 calories it is a little burdensome to eat normally right you naturally are going to feel a need to be active and things of that nature and you know like i said we can work with you on the calories talk to your coach maybe bring it up to becky but in general i i i i just I don't think you're a unique human being, right? I think that, I think you're very much um, not unique in the fact that, you know, when you have these moments and you gain weight back and you didn't have a lot of weight to lose in the first place, you know, one thing you probably don't know, of course, is the muscle that you have, right? And so that can be very difficult to find out. But the answer is that the rules are the same for sedentary people, truthfully right? Sedentary people need their calories to go back to normal. You are not meant from a health standpoint to undereat all the time. And so I can talk around that a million different ways, but it, it might not be a Becky, Paul, and Carolyn situation, right? And that's where, you know, I know for me, having therapy really helps a lot. So I can, you know, work through some of those types of things. So I'm not sure if that, uh, does a lot for you, you know, but just, um, I mean, it does sound like your weight's stable, you know, and you're able to enjoy life in a way that probably a lot of people like you aren't. So that's something to think about. All right, Carolyn. Okay, Jessica's asking, um, she's approaching year one with Eat to Perform. Uh, I found on my first fat loss two, I was leaning down during reverse and adding food versus in flat fat loss. I've done two fat loss cycles and stayed in PR for four months. 
just entered another fat loss cycle and curious, curious if you've seen this with other folks in Eat to Perform, specifically dropping and leaning while adding food out of fat loss. Sure. I mean, the dropping weight, I would say, you know, and I mean, we're honest about this. We talk about this all the time is that the expectation. So like this, I, so the idea that people have of eat to perform is what he's saying is if I eat and perform, I'm going to lose weight. And that's not what I'm saying, right? What I'm saying is that with a strategic approach, you can reach your goals better. But the idea of adding food and losing weight is probably unique to you. And it might be unique to you in this way, right? So, and I'm not saying this in a bad way or a judgmental way or anything like this, but a lot of times as people's food starts to come back, their effort goes higher, right? Because, you know, naturally they're like, well, I've got to do some extra stuff. You know, that would be a, a real good example. I think that's really you know, when you see pictures of Stephanie and Sarah and, and Lucinda and, and, you know, many of the long-term eat the performers um, or coaches, you're like them. Your effort goes higher as food comes back. And I mean, Sarah, not as much lately, but, you know, her life is glorious. I mean, if you follow her page, you know, I mean, it's nothing but, but you know, um, vacations and margaritas and, and all this amazing food. And, you know, and if we're all being honest, you know, in those situations, uh, you know, exercise does help, you know, and, but a great example, she's a great example that, that you don't have to do excessive cardio. I mean, neither her or Stephanie. Stephanie ran track in, in college. And I mean, um, I think I talked her into doing a little jogging this summer and she complained about it the whole time. Like she just doesn't like doing it. She just, you know, she, she kind of, she kind of wore that out in college. And, and, and so she really likes lifting weights, but, but it's not uncommon. Um, in terms of leaning out, I mean, I would say, I mean, I said this earlier that some people get abs um, at their lowest weight, but that's kind of true and kind of not true, right? Um, I would say the majority of people that want like a, a dry look, like one of the things I tell people all the time um, I say this to Stephanie all the time. I was saying this to Julie Wellendorf um, the other day that when they take a picture of their abs, the one thing that they almost never do is push out, right? Almost as if you're pushing into a weight belt, right? And you see, you see bodybuilders and physique competitors do this. And that's how you see lower ab development, right? But if you suck in and kind of maybe pull up into your rib cage, often it will seem like there's fat on the lower part, right? And most people that think that they have lower ab fat 
actually just aren't posing correctly, right? Or pushing out to see lower ab development. And then they're like, whoa, you know, I think one of, pitch, one of Stephanie's pictures, she, she kind of did it right. Um, and you can, you can see that like she has well-formed abs. I mean, is it like, it, it, you know, when you're kind of sucking in and you're super lean and you've been dieting for six months, nine months, like a bodybuilder might do, um, you're going to have, you know, the eight pack look, right? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when they push out and it's like more of the six pack look, right? Um, I don't know how much of you guys follow that type of stuff, but um, that's one thing that I would definitely be considering if, if you're taking these types of photos. But in general, um, no, the, the, the more hydrated your abs are, the more you're going to feel that muscle and see that muscle. I think a lot of people do actually like the dry look. Um, bodybuilders forever have been talking about this, right? They dry out going into a competition and then um, they're judged based on that look and then they rehydrate and then they have their show the very next day and it's that look that they prefer that's the look that they chase is that rehydrated look from being sort of dehydrated i mean if you've ever been you know involved with any kind of bodybuilding or whatever towards the end you know, for, for men and women, but men, it's noticeable because they can't get an erection, right? And so it's like that extreme. And then they'll struggle walking upstairs. They're that dehydrated to pose for the judge, right? And so it's a, a real, it's much more extreme than anything we do at Eat to Perform. And I, I don't want any piece of that, right? Because what we're doing is really kind of teaching I think it's more about longevity of life than I do about, you know, abs or, or, you know, um, getting to your lowest weight possible and things of that nature. But I would say, I would say you just sound like somebody that puts in a lot of effort, you know, when food comes back, you know, and you're probably already fairly lean and the specifics would help, but, but we don't need them. I think it, I think it just sounds like you're someone that's motivated extremely once food comes back <laughs> okay now i know how to take a picture for abs i'll try that later i, I seriously, won't. I don't, seriously i don't just, have abs i'm not into it but <laughs> no no i'm i'm telling you i i would say half the people on this call if you put a weight belt on over your navel and pushed into it you'd be shocked at what you saw right we're all because, we're all trying it after this call yeah, I got you. Okay, Sarah's asking, uh, what do you recommend beyond a strong PR phase as preparation for a successful fat loss coming from someone who had an unsuccessful fat loss? Well, there's only one answer and that's pushing the top end, right? Um, I, think, I think there's a lot of fear, you know, if you come from a severe dieting background and you just gotta like jump into the deep end of the pool, right? Um, Effort-wise, um, in the gym, I would say I would say that's definitely one of the things. Um, if most of your activities activities are cardio based, 
moving to more weight-based activities kind of, you know, I mean, if you know me and you know the way that we recommend things at Eat Reform, you know, we tend to go towards the things that you enjoy, right? Because you can do that longer. Um, but there are a lot of people that prefer cardio because they can keep your their weight down easier. Well, the problem with that is you can get a real big calorie point, but it's not necessarily going to be similar to uh, getting to say 3000 calories uh, while weightlifting, right? Um, it's just going to be different. And so, so I think the answer is really, you know, I'm not saying you're this person, but a lot of people in your situation, they just kind of dip their toe into the eat reform water, right? And then, you know, they, they, they came into the fear. They eventually talked their coach into moving them into a fat loss cycle, but they, they, you know, calorie average is 1950, maybe 2,100. There's just, there's just no math that allows for extreme results in that scenario, right? So pushing the weightlifting side maybe adding some hit if that is, you know, and then kind of keeping long endurance to a minimum unless long endurance is your thing. If long endurance is your thing, then let's go for 4,000 calories, right? Because I can show you file after file after file of extreme endurance people that have just, you know, macros that would make you choke, right? So push, at least push that side. But that's the answer is, you you know, it, it's natural to be fearful, you know. Um, and once again, you know, we're probably not talking about obesity issues here. We're talking about wants, not needs, right? I think it's helpful to say that out loud to yourself, you know. I mean, think about all the things that are improving in your life along the way and why you might be focused on why you need fat loss, right? I think, I think. One of the things that happens with people related to fat loss is they sort of lose focus on what the real goal is, right? And so what's the difference between six months and nine months? Well, for us, you know, not only are you having more calories longer, right? But it's just going to allow for more success over time. And what we see is that instead of six months, people want to go three months, right? And so, so to what end? If you're really trying to fix the problem, then go nine months, go a year, allow yourself to be a little uncomfortable. You know, five, I mean, what we see is that people, especially people that came to us dieting, they they freak out over five to seven pounds. And five to seven pounds could be muscle for a lot of you. You know, if you came to us eating 1,200 to 1,500 calories and you're now at 2,200 calories and you're putting in good effort in the gym, it's very likely that you're putting on muscle. Now it gets harder. The more you do it right, the harder it gets. And that is, a, a, is something that I think when you look at 
I think Lucinda, you know, Sarah put on two and a half pounds of muscle. She was thrilled about it. Lucinda, I think, put on three to four pounds of muscle um, in her performance phase. And these are people that are putting in lots and lots of effort. They are in the gym, you know, um, because they've, they're years into their journey. <clears throat> if you're relatively new to a better approach, you get a better result, right? And so kind of keep that in mind as you go. But yeah, that's the answer. Okay, we have a few questions in relation to weight gain and PR, but I'll give them to you one at a time here. Uh, Lisa's asking, what is the upper tolerance level for weight gain and PR for people who are not off the rails? Is there a point where macros are adjusted down in the scenario where the weight gain moves above that tolerance? I'm gonna so preface won't... this whole thing to tell you that that's my client. Go ahead. Yeah, so, um... No, we will not move things down um, unless we move into some form of a cut. And the reason why we don't move things down is because it doesn't do anything, right? I mean, we actually used to do this. And like I said, we haven't done it in five years. And the reason why we haven't done it in five years is we know it does not work, right? All it, so as an example, the one person I did in the very, very unique situation, I told them, you understand that this is not going to result in any weight loss, right? This is just about getting you through a stressful period, right? And not having, you know, to worry about, I mean, her, her macros were like 3,200 calories. So, you know, bringing her down to 2,500 calories, you know, um, was going to be helpful from the standpoint of meal planning and things of that nature. But no, the, um, it just doesn't do anything. Right. So we would much rather you go into a mini cut, maybe try, you know, some fasting on your low days or things of this nature, but, but all of those are going to be kind of, you know, measures that get you three to five pounds. So what, what is the upper level of comfort? Um, that that's really you right? Like that, that's not me to answer, you know, um, what, I think what you're asking is when should I freak out? Right. And I don't think there is a number where you freak out. I mean, from our standpoint, you know, we would like you to stay three to five pounds, um, within the course of the six months to a year, you know, is it common for people to go to seven Sure. You know, is it common for people to get to 10? I would say, yeah, but the, the I would say that that's not uncommon, but it kind of depends on how much weight you lost, right? I mean, if you lost 30 pounds, then 10 is reasonable. If you lost 14 pounds, well, I would argue you were probably never pushing the top end, right? And so, so seven pounds, three to four of which might be muscle seems reasonable to me. Right. I think that, I think the issue is, is that it's kind of like the detox example I have on the main page right now. We all want to go what we think is all in right for a shorter period of time, extremist period of time and lose the most weight. And the problem is, is that all those things actually work against you 
you know, I mean, like, I think Sarah put, put up a picture recently. Um, well, Stephanie also, I hate to keep using this as examples, but they're, they're really good examples, you know. Um, Sarah has pictures where she's really super lean and she has pictures um, where she's five to seven higher than the super lean, but she's, to you, she still looks super lean, right? To her, she's like, well, you know, these are the things I'll clean up in fat loss whenever I do that, right? She's not obsessed with that, um, the way that some of us still are, right? Um, Stephanie, when we went through fat loss recently, um, the uh, she's probably waiting with bated breath um, for me to review her so she gets more food today. Um, but, um, you know, we had gotten to a, a big, big low at one point. Um, and, you know, she just doesn't want that low anymore, right? And the lower that you go, the leaner that you get, the more you wring the towel, the more likely more weight is to come back, right? So I think a lot of us spend our life, you know, wanting kind of the Instagram picture, right? Like the picture, the picture that I have, I'm sure many of you have seen it where in the one I'm 260 pounds and then the other two, I'm 160 pounds, right? And then the one on the right is, you know, really super lean and abbed up and, and this and that. I have like seven pictures like that, right? That took hundreds. I have seven, you know? I just think that too many of us are focused on the wrong situation. I mean, just the other day, like we, um, as we were doing this, you know, I was like, oh my goodness, the lighting in this direction is just amazing. You know, um, you know, people that take a lot of pictures of their physique and stuff like this, they're always getting the lighting right. You know, it's the thing that I just explained to you guys about abs. Most of you don't know that, right? And so, so there's a lot of things that end up happening. Um, top end from our standpoint, you know, is we'd really like to keep clients three to five. If someone's lost a lot more weight than that, then I think it's more reasonable to be 10. But at the end of the day, you know, if you run a fat loss cycle, and let's say that you lost 15 pounds, which I would regard as an okay result, right? Um, it's not the top end what we normally like, but it is an okay result. If you gain the 15 pounds back, we have to then talk about how, what you gained and how you gained it, right? And I think if you analyzed it, what you'd see is that, you know, it was not the macros going up that caused that, unless it's muscle, right? I mean, having protein, right, and, and doing your workouts and all this other type of stuff, you will gain, let's say, three to five pounds of muscle in the case of a 15-pound gain, right? Well, then you've only gained 10 pounds, right? And is it common for some people to have to sort of clean things up. Look, if you're normally sitting at 135 and at your leanest, you're at 120. And I said this to Amanda. I, I don't know if um, many of you know this. And she was kind of heartbroken about it, right? 
And I think some of you really need to hear this. And, and I had this discussion with Amanda multiple times. Amanda is the, the woman that is now pregnant. And she put up a post and showed the before and after. Um, but I said in a podcast and I sent it to Amanda and I was really proud of everything that I said. And she had tears about it, right? Because um, what I said was, is that she's normally very lean. And so the closer we get to 130, she's going to spend the rest of her life going between 130 and 140, right? And she has to be okay with that, right? And I think some of the leanest people, you know, kind of falsely equate eating lower calorie most of the time as being the right way to be lean. It's actually can be harmful long-term. And I think that if the goal is to build muscle, if the goal is longevity of life, if the goal is health, then lean people are going to have to be okay having that window of five to 10 pounds, right? And, and that's just kind of the way it is. And the more they can do it, like one of the great things about Amanda um, is that she's not one of these people that wants to run fat loss all the time. Um, if anything, she wants the opposite, right? She, she wants to be able to eat all the food and all go to the gym. Um, but muscle is going to add weight to the frame and you should have some level of fluctuation that is going up to allow for the body to see that as an anabolic signal, right? So that that's kind of one of the things, but one of the nice things about her getting pregnant and through all of her pregnancies is that um, she doesn't have to mentally play that game, you know? And I think it, you know, it would be unrealistic for us to say to you that, you know, you might still struggle later on, right? This is not a perfection thing as it relates to your relationship with food. It's just about getting better along the way. Okay, um, I forgot to say that Missy's question um, Becky is addressing. Kristen's, you just answered in that in um, the best way to stabilize weight in PR. Um, Becky's saying, uh, I'm one of the ones where I started in fat loss one and I lost weight, but I was fumbling around the app playing Tetris, forgetting to log. She's in fat loss two and she's killing it now. She feels like she gets it. Uh, Angela is asking, I'm in PR and have been for some time, just past my one year with Eat to Perform. After fat loss one and two, I had lost about 20 pounds. I'm weight stable in PR and my weight has increased by nine pounds um, from my lowest weight and I feel amazing. Should I expect to see any weight loss in PR or stay weight stable with muscle gain? I think you would be much more likely to stay weight stable with muscle gain. Um, you know, the amount of effort required to lose weight um, in PR, I would argue is probably not worth it, right? Um, the, uh, and you're much more likely to be at risk to lose muscle and things of this nature. I think it's much better to be trying to stay weight stable. But that is a great example of what you just said. You know, if you had come to us and you didn't have all the things perfect, right? 
and you lost 20 pounds in that scenario. And then now nine pounds have come back, but your weight's stable. Well, the more you stay at that weight, the more likely it is going to be muscle as you go, right? And so I think that's the more realistic expectation. Now, you know, I don't think a lot of, I said this early on, I don't think a lot of the people that join Eat to Perform always hear that in the messaging, right? I also think that we would, we would get, if we just lied like a lot of other companies do, um, you know, we probably get a lot more customers, but we'd have a lot more people angry at us. You know, if you look at the amount of information and the specifics that we share, we literally tell you how to do it, right? But the reason why we tell you how to do it is because it's kind of hard to do alone, right? I mean, I did it. And if, if you gave me the choice between the way that I did it and using a coach like Carolyn or Becky, you know, I would, I would all day long sign up for Carolyn or Becky because it would be so much more optimal. I think one of the things that's so great about, you know, and like I said, I think a lot of us are, are going to want to go through fat loss cycles afterwards. A lot of people ask, well, why don't you talk more about performance? And the answer is because people don't want to talk about performance. They want to talk about, you know, all the difficult things that are messages that our brains tell us as food's coming back. This idea that, you know, losing weight is the hard part. Losing weight's the easy part. It's gaining, it's bringing the food back and not gaining all the weight back plus some, right? And so when you think of somebody who loses 20 pounds, the good majority of the time, they're gonna, they're gonna gain 25 to 30 pounds back. To, to look at a situation like she's talking about where she feels better, work out better, all this other stuff, and has only gained nine pounds is way better than the average, right? Most of the people that are going through Noom and Weight Watchers and stuff like that, they're yo-yo dieting all the time, right? And so, you know, it's kind of hard to give yourself credit for um, people that are, are leaning out slowly, but that, that is what happens. Right. And that's why those after the after pictures are so important. Okay. Brittany's um, saying she's approaching PR. Now this is her third PR cycle. Her first two have been when she was either pregnant or breastfeeding. Um, she's done two fat loss cycles. I'm very goal oriented, but trying to loosen up to allow for date night and going out with friends. How many days a month can I go into red and still maintain my weight? Well, it, it depends on it depends on your numbers in PR, right? If you're pushing the numbers in PR and you're at 26 to 2,700 calories, you'll probably end up under eating, right? Um, I noticed, you know, for me, for the longest time, you know, uh, when I would, I used my super day as a free day where, um, because often I would under eat, you know, I mean, if you're going out and there's a lot of butter and there's a lot of sodium, you know, you're probably actually eating lower calories. It's just, you know, the kind of, I hate to say inflammation because people have bastardized that word, but you know, you're gonna, you know, fill up a little bit more when, 
sodium is there. I mean, you'll hear it on the podcast where I've recently lowered my sodium. And I mean, it's just shocking, you know, um, the, the change in life and, and just, you know, like eating out is really, really difficult, right? And so you have to allow, I mean, that's one of the things that we're talking about overall, right? Is that, you know, if we're trying to live these lives of, of freedom, you know, even at higher calories, let's say, you know, 2,500 calories, but you go out like you're talking about with friends and you have this freedom, you, you've got to be comfortable, you know, gaining three pounds, right? And allowing the program to come back, right? Once again, it's not the moments of freedom. If you're asking me how many moments of freedom where you could go into the red, it's always trial and error. So I would say if, if you can do two, start with two, right? And if you're able to get back into the program, right, the very next day, then, then I would say, then we can start exploring whether you can do more. But if you do two, and then all of a sudden you solid it up for a week and you start giving us yellows, well, now that's a problem. Right. So, you know, like I said, follow Sarah on, you know, um, on Facebook and you'll see all these pictures of really flexible eating. And you've got to ask yourself if you can be comfortable like that mentally. Right. And not everybody can. And and that's OK. OK, last couple questions here. Um, my coach advised me recently to set some goals to help me stay motivated to follow the plan. Just finished fat loss too. I'm happy with my weight and not a competitive athlete. I've done marathons and triathlons, et cetera, and I have no desire to do them again. I don't have access to a lot of heavy weights either, just your standard dumbbells. I enjoy being active. I'm a daily exercise and I love doing a variety of cardio and strength activities, Peloton classes, in addition to skiing, hiking, et cetera. So I'm struggling to figure out what my goals should be. Any advice? Chill out. Your goal should be to chill out, right? And I think, I think that a lot of things, this, this was really important for me. Like, so, you know, when you lose an extreme amount of weight, those are the people that I get concerned about the most, right? Because often it's a struggle to find what the goal is, right? Because the goal was so in front of you all along, you know, chase two pounds down every week, you know, or whatever. Um, and if people were honest, they would say this to us, right? is that they struggle with what you're struggling with. And when I say the goal should be to chill out, you know, within that chilling out, there should be structure, right? I know for myself, you know, um, you know, like I said, you know, my goal is to get to the pickleball courts, work with my coach, practice, you know, work on teamwork with my wife, things of this nature. There are a million goals in front of you, right? I think that um, being rudderless because you're not trying to lose weight um, is, 
kind of the wrong way to think of things, right? And I'm not saying that in a judgmental way. I'm just saying that from the standpoint of we have to move on from weight loss, right? And so, you know, a good example would be to go look at your calendar, right? Look at the activities and say, on Wednesdays, I do my Peloton classes, right? On, you know, uh, on Fridays, I get together with my friends. I'm going to reach out to some people that I haven't reached out to. Like for, for one thing, um, when the restrictions from COVID lifted a little bit, um, I made it a priority to meet up with friends and family that you know I hadn't seen so I could reconnect with those people. A lot of times in a way that I hadn't connected to them previous to COVID, right? And so for me, um, you know, I used Timberwolves games, right? So Minnesota Timberwolves basketball. And, and I would meet with what has been like eight people so far. Um, and we would have dinner together and just kind of catch up on where their life is. Um, the goals need to be like that, right? They need to be different than... I just want to maintain the slowest weight possible, right? Because as you're hearing, you're going to have to be a little comfortable, right? Um, I, I always hate this false equation that, you know, you have to have extreme activity to maintain your results in, with either form. Um, one, I think you should always allow for some, some fluctuation, but we're your coach is naturally going to move your calories to the point where they're naturally going to go, right? They're not going to, you know, I, I think most of you on this call know this, but there is a top end, right? We do stop, you know? I think people think that there's like this calorie to nowhere approach. So if you know that, well, then we have to sort of change the way that we look at goals. And reconnecting with people personally might not be a goal that you would think of, right? But it could be a goal that helps with mental health. Putting, I mean, one of the best things that I I wish I did more, um, but I kind of do it do it kind of by accident, is just putting the different forms of exercise on a, on a calendar, right? So I know at five o'clock on Wednesdays. I'm going to do Peloton. That's a great goal, right? Scheduling your exercise or the things that you enjoy, right? Your, um, yeah. So, so I think that's the answer to your question. Okay. Last one here is from Lathy. Um, is it unusual to have more energy in fat loss than in PR? Um, they've been in PR for one year. I'm assuming it's related to the food quality. It's not, it, you know, more often than not, it's cortisol levels are rising, right? Because you're, you're going to have, you know, a different response. Um, and so, you know, I know what you're talking about. Um, you know, you wake up and maybe even after six hours sleep, you're wide awake, right? More often than not, it's cortisol. Um, it could also be placebo a little bit, right? The, um, 
it, it makes absolutely zero sense that if you're eating, let's say 1600 calories, that you would have more energy than 2200 calories. But let me give you an example. If you don't suppress that cortisol, right? So I think many of you know this, but if you don't, this is actually pretty interesting, is that cortisol and insulin work opposite of each other. They don't exist together, right? They might do like a handshake at some point, but in general, if cortisol is high, insulin is low. If insulin is higher, cortisol is low. So then let's say insulin is higher and cortisol is low, well, you might be tired, right? Um, naturally, you're gonna have, you know, um, more of a, a, you're gonna listen to your signals, right? So like a lot of low carb people have high levels of cortisol because they don't, they aren't taking in adequate amounts of insulin um, through a moderate approach to protein and carbohydrate. Well, they're sleeping five hours a day. Um, they are going through the day with cortisol mostly high, and they are probably thinking like you're thinking, that they have a ton of energy. But the reality is, is that they're actually kind of obfuscating the signals that the body wants to give them that they're tired, right? And that's common, you know? I wouldn't say that that's as common as I thought it was initially. I know when I was initially recovering from just the, the dieting that I did, you know, much of the time, um, that I thought it was common to, to not sleep well. I have done fat loss cycles where I have slept well, you know, but um, so I, it, it's not necessarily always a correlation, but I think that's probably the answer. I do think, you know, if we're all being honest, you know, I mean, there's some things, you know, like I said, when I was analyzing my diet and, and kind of trying to reduce sodium, you know, the, the things that were higher in sodium tended to be snacks. But, you know, when you go through the grocery store and, and just so you know, the, um, I'm just trying to get my, um, because of the travel, because of eating out, and because of kind of excessive sodium, my 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 uh, uh, blood pressure started to get away from me, and I wanted to get that under control. It's been under control, but it was just shocking how much of a difference sodium made. And so when I went to the grocery store to look for low sodium snacks, you know, there aren't any. <laughs> All snacks have sodium. You know, um, they do have like low sodium options, but even those you know, um, you, you can consume more and get a similar amount of sodium. So it, it really is challenging. And then if you want to, um, you know, eat out or whatever, you're, you're just stuck. You know, there's just, you know, unless you're telling the chef to make you something uh, low sodium, then, you know, for a lot of people, then why would you eat out in the first place? So, you know, for me, I'm going to be relatively relaxed and then try to control my sodium outside of those meals and keep those meals to a minimum. But, you know, my blood pressure luckily is back to normal um, and it's made me conscious of it, right? And so I think in general, um, 
remind me <laughs> remind me where we're at in this question. Um, Lathy was saying uh, more energy in fat loss than in PR. Yeah, and so so you know, um, I have to say I can't relate to this. You know, um, because like I said, I am currently doing this. I noticed uh, with my sodium, I was unnaturally reducing calories. And so my energy levels were going down. And so I, I started to add all this low um, so, uh, sodium foods back in to get my calories back up. And once my calories went back up, my energy became better. So I think, I think it's just natural that that's, that's where I was going with it. I think it's just natural to bring in a lot of foods that you know are more calories, right? Are more sodium, things of this nature. And when you clean things up, you kind of feel good about it, right? And you should feel good about it. You know, if you think about fat loss, it should be a transition to mostly whole foods, bring back some of the foods that you like, you know, but cleaning some of that up, I think probably does feel good and you will have energy. And I think probably the first couple of weeks that energy is high. I think maybe as we get closer to the end, that energy will go lower, you know? Um, so kind of be on the lookout for that. But I do think that cortisol is the answer for a lot of people. I don't think people realize when cortisol is high, you're like wired quite a bit, you know? And then, you know, a lot of the time you're, you're drinking a lot of caffeine um, because, you know, the sleep's not and not that great. And, and then you kind of get to this place where it's really struggling to kind of feel relaxed. So um, I think that's the answer. Um, it doesn't logically make sense. Um, could it mean that you're mobilizing fat along the way and that's providing you some energy? Sure, right? Um, but I think, I think it's just the level of excitement that's probably doing the work and you're kind of accepting the challenge that is fat loss. So. I think that's probably a, a burrito of the answer. So, all right. Well, I appreciate everybody being here. You guys had a lot of great questions and um, we'll talk to you later. And I appreciate you being here um, next month. We do these monthly. So if you're new to Lifetime, this is how it works, right? We had a lot of fat loss talk this time, but um, I think that's natural, um, you know, this time of year. We will be getting into more performance topics uh, as we go. So that'll always be fun. So I appreciate everybody being here and we'll talk to you later. And if you're new to Lifetime, welcome. It's a lot of fun and we love having you. Bye now.